And then we're going to touch on the very first attitude uh, that needs to be replaced in our life uh, based on the story of the children of Israel. And so this lesson is going to be replacing a complaining attitude with a thankful attitude. Replacing a complaining attitude with a thankful attitude. First, let me say some things about attitudes. We all have them. Good and bad. Sometimes more good, sometimes more bad. But we all have attitudes. We choose. We choose our attitudes. They don't choose us. We choose them. That is very important for us to understand. We choose our attitude. Again, I used this quote from... uh, Charles Swindoll last week, and it is so true. Life is 10% of what happens and 90% of how we react to it. In other words, 90% of life is our attitude and how we handle situation. Now, if you're like me, you don't want to be told that your attitude problem is in the mirror. But it is. Until we embrace the fact, the attitude that we, the fact of the idea that we choose our attitudes, we'll never be able to choose differently. And life is always going to be what we refer to as a, a wilderness. It will never be fruitful. It'll be barren, it'll be difficult, it'll be long, it'll be dry in the spirit if we never learn to choose our attitudes differently because our attitudes will determine our outcome. Notice what Numbers 11 verse 1 says. It says, now when the people, the people, see they couldn't point the finger anywhere but at themselves. When the people complained, they couldn't point their fingers at the situation at home. They, they couldn't point to their mom and dad for the reason why they had the attitude. They couldn't blame it on their work situation. Uh, they couldn't blame it on their past. They, it was when the people complained. The people became like those who complain, says one translation. Well, why did they become like that? Because they chose to have an attitude of complaining. Now, you and I both know, because hindsight's twenty twenty. we will look back at the story of the deliverance of the children of Israel out of Egypt, and we see all that God had done for them to bring that deliverance to pass, all the miracles he performed, all the blessings he poured out, they had plenty of good reasons not to complain. They had more than enough reasons to be thankful But instead, not because of circumstances, but because they chose an attitude of complaining, the result was they wandered in the wilderness. And God's final judgment on their attitudes clearly held them accountable for their choosing. Their complaining displeased the Lord. Not the situation that they're in, but it was their choice to complain. So let's define attitudes 
a little bit. We're going to give a working definition of attitude so that we understand anytime we're speaking of attitudes, whether they're bad attitudes or good attitudes, this is what we are thinking of as we go through this series. Part one of this definition is this. Attitudes are patterns of thinking. Attitudes are patterns of thinking. You and I develop a way of thinking about things. It's, it's how we have decided to approach life. Now, this, the option of choosing attitudes, this, this way we developed our thinking about things and how we approach life began when we were very, very young. How many remember the terrible twos? If you had kids, you remember the terrible twos. I, I am absolutely convinced that's when kids start developing attitudes. They start learning how to approach life. And sometimes it wasn't always the best approach. So this developing a way of thinking about things begins when we're very young. And if we allowed mature growth to take place, if we allowed mature growth to take place, our attitude should be much different today than when we were two years old. If your parents did not spare the rod of correction, you probably have a better attitude today than you did then. But if you never grew spiritually or in maturity, there's a possibility that you have some of the same old attitudes. Let me give you an illustration. Well, think of that two-year-old here. And this two-year-old has a little red ball. Now, when you first give a two-year-old anything, let's say I give this two-year-old this red ball, and this two-year-old is smiling and playing with this red ball, and you go to grab that ball, what do you get? My ball! It's an instant attitude. It's, it's how he is viewing the, that life situation. You gave it to me, it's mine. Don't touch my ball. Now, this kind of attitude just could have been naturally developed uh, because, you know, naturally human beings are a bit possessive. This attitude may have been influenced by his parents or the fact that maybe he just needs a nap or maybe he needs a cookie or, or whatever, but still the toddler is choosing the attitude. Now we're watching this two-year-old play with the ball, and, and he drops the ball, and it rolls away from him. What typically happens with a two-year-old in their terrible twos is that we would all in the room hold our collective breath. How is this two-year-old going to react to losing his ball? Going to maybe scream? throw a fit maybe maybe he's learning he just crawls over and grabs it and it's it's no big deal the point i'm trying to make is as we grow we begin to develop 
behaviors, patterns of thinking. And over the next few years, this this two-year-old, as he grows older, is going to drop many balls. And each time, he's going to choose an attitude. And over time, his whole life will be shaped by a pattern of thinking or the attitude that he establishes. establishes. That is what happens when we become adults. The resulting attitude, our behavior, our approach to life has been developed over time. Now, there are many attitudes to choose from. Now, I'm going to use the ball metaphorically right now. Uh, dropping many balls. When I talk about dropping the ball, I'm talking about having a situation happen to you that is unpleasing. But when you use the ball metaphorically, as this toddler grows, as he gets older, he has many attitudes to choose from. And he may choose one or more of these, all of these, as he develops. And Lord willing, we all develop and grow in maturity and spiritually. He could choose to say, dumb ball. Blame the ball. Who made this cheap, lousy, dime store ball anyways? It was so slippery I couldn't hold on to it. He could choose to say, well, where is my parents at? My support group. I can't believe they're not here when I drop this ball. What kind of parents are they? If they really loved me, they'd be here to help me pick up this ball. Or, as he grows, he could choose to say, I such a loser i always drop balls i played with other kids they don't drop their balls all the time i'm the only one who drops the ball what's wrong with me i'm such a loser again it is a pattern of thinking now there's a lot of outside influences that help us to determine our pattern of thinking but either way we determine our attitudes as we go through life Or he could mature and over time get to this point where he would choose to say and choose to have a right attitude. You know, it's my fault. I dropped the ball. People drop balls all the time. But I'm going to have the right attitude. I'm going to pick it up and I'm going to go on. And maybe I can grow through this somewhere and stop dropping balls as often as I do now patterns of thinking now we may not be the toddler dropping the ball but these excuses they sound familiar don't they some of these excuses betray a negative pattern of thinking or a bad attitude the key to happiness is the attitude we choose when we drop the ball And so the first part of the definition is attitudes are patterns of thinking. Second part of this, I'm going to add to that. Attitudes are patterns of thinking formed over a long period of time. Trace the history of the children of Israel. And you will know that they didn't just suddenly become a complaining people. They complained long before Numbers chapter 11. Go back to the days when they were making bricks in Egypt. 
read about it. They complain. Matter of fact, even before them, then, before they even made it to Egypt, they complained. And so it was an attitude, of a, a, a pattern of thinking that was formed over a long period of time. Because they're formed over a long period of time, sometimes attitudes become habitual. That is the only way we know how to react is with a bad attitude. And so wrong attitudes are hard to change because of that. They're habitual, harmful ways of thinking about life circumstances. We all have to know we're all adults in here. This is the adult class. Life happens. Life happens. There's, we're going to face some things that we're not going to like. We're going to experience some things that are hurtful, that are difficult. And if we maintain the same pattern of thinking, we're always going to have a difficult life and never overcome. Because patterns of thinking are so deeply ingrained in our hearts, sometimes we don't even notice them. Until, of course, we react to the situation. And we get so used to reacting a certain way that our choices, our decisions, our behaviors, what we say, what we do, almost become automatic. And in time, we cease to see them as an actual choice. I get so sick and tired of the excuse, well, that's just the way I am. Well, that just because that's the way you are doesn't make it right. Well, you know, I, I, just, I just say what I want to say, do what I want. Well, just because you feel like you can say what you want to say and do what you want to do doesn't make it right. You've grown so accustomed to having a sour attitude that when you react in a negative way and you say things that you don't want to say or you shouldn't say and you behave in certain ways that you ought not to behave, you try to make excuses for it because that's all you know. It's become a habit. But there is good news. Obviously through the power of the Holy Ghost working in you. Because you and I both know we can't do it on our own. We can choose to change our attitude. We can choose to have the right attitude towards a very wrong situation. Now, if you came in here with a bad attitude today and you want to leave with a good attitude, uh, let me just be brutally honest with you. It's not going to happen that easy. These are patterns of thinking that have been developed over a long period of time that have become habits to you and very harmful to your character. You can change it, but it's not going to be automatic. It's not going to be overnight. But if you stick with it, remain sensitive to what God is teaching you, I can promise you that lasting joy and true promised land living are not far away. Now, when I say promised land living, I'm talking about the abundant life that Jesus Christ has promised us. And so anytime I'm using the term promised land living, I'm using it metaphorically. For what the Lord has promised us, that life and life more abundantly.
And so we're going to take the first step today. And I want you to say to yourself right now, everybody say it, I choose my attitudes. Because you can't change an attitude until you admit that you chose it. And when you know and understand and realize that you can choose, guess what? You can change. So let's talk about the first attitude. I said all of that to get to the actual lesson. And that's why I said I have a lot of information I got to get through. But it's good stuff. I even deleted a lot of stuff. Because I couldn't be here for an hour and a half. And I would not do that to you. Let's talk about the truth about complaining. We're going to replace a complaining attitude. The first part of the lesson is we're going to replace a complaining attitude. Let's, let's talk about complaining. The truth about complaining. Complaining is an attitude choice that if left unchecked will wither my capacity to experience joy and genuine thankfulness. Because we all complain far more than we like to admit... I'm glad we picked wilderness attitude as number one. Number one is complaining. I didn't, sh- I wasn't, I'm not going to talk about that. I- I'll share, I will probably share it online. But there, there are actually websites that you can go to to complain. And there are millions of users. So don't tell me. That an attitude of complaining is not a problem here in this world. When we express resentment over circumstances that are beyond our control, and of course about which we are doing nothing, we are complaining. God hears it, he hates it, and pushes everyone who persists in it towards a wilderness journey. Have you ever wondered why complaining is such a battle? Especially when we all know that complaining changes nothing. Here's the reason why we struggle with this attitude of complaining. The reason is that complaining satisfies our sinful nature. Complaining releases negative emotional energy in a way that provides us in the flesh momentary relief from a situation or circumstance that is frustrating to us. Let me say that last part again. Complaining releases negative emotional energy that provides momentary relief. Because if we're honest with ourselves, when we first complain, we feel pretty good about it. But guess what? Because we complained doesn't mean the situation changed. So what are we going to do in an hour or in a day or in a week when we face the same difficult circumstance? Maybe even worse. Those who choose murmuring, as the Bible calls it, as their lifestyle, will spend their lifetime in the wilderness. It will always be difficult, and you'll never experience the fullness of what God has for you. 
God judges our complaining. God judges our complaining. And that emotional fallout from complaining makes our lives like the psalmist says in Psalm 63, verse 1, a dry and weary land where there is no water. And this is certainly true in the area of complaining. And so in Numbers 11, we read here about a group of people standing somewhere on the edge of their makeshift city, and they're whining and grumbling and complaining about something. It doesn't even say what they're actually complaining about. The Bible just says they're complaining. They're murmuring. They're talking amongst themselves. Whatever the subject matter, this particular instance for this particular attitude was the final straw for God, and the Bible says that he sent fire among the whole group. Well, why would he react in such a a dramatic way? Because complaining is a sin. The word sin literally means you missed the mark. In other words, they missed the reason for why they were in the circumstances that they were in. Instead of seeing what God had for them, they complained about the circumstance. They failed to regard God's holy standards and just demands that he was placing on them. We are affected by a complaining spirit. Well, who's affected, pastor? Who's my complaining spirit going to even bother? Well, first, you're hurting yourself. When you complain, you're choosing a response that does you harm rather than good because the more we complain the potential is those complaints are going to lead to anger which then leads to bitterness and even bouts of depression you're going to end up doing something saying something that you're going to regret and so it's going to harm you beyond hurting yourself complaining indirectly hurts God God is affected When he hears your complaining and sees the wrong attitudes. Why? How could we hurt God? Well, we're not physically hurting him, but the hurt that we're causing is disappointment because complaining questions God's sovereignty. Complaining says, God, you have no idea what you're doing. We we tell him, I don't trust you. I don't have faith in you. Why are you cursing me? Why are you dealing with me thusly? And so beyond hurting herself, it affects God. God's not able to pour out his blessings like he wants to. Why? Because we don't have faith in him. We don't trust him. And beyond hurting yourself and beyond hurting God, you can hurt those around you. How many have ever been around a complaining individual? Yeah? How long can you stand being around a complaining individual? Not very long. Let me tell you something. You affect others with your stinking thinking. It's... 
you know, you think, well, it's not, I can complain. It's not going to bother them. Baloney. There's a spirit behind that attitude. It's a spirit of complaining. It's a spirit of murmuring. And it affects the entire atmosphere. That one rotten apple affects the whole bunch. And when people hear complaining constantly, it brings them down. There's power in our words. Life and death is in the power of our tongue. It's in the power of our words. We can speak things into existence. Man, we could be having a grand old time at, at, a, at a family get-together. And just that one, that one, you know the one I'm talking about? Comes in and opens their mouth. And this, this wonderful time we're having just goes right down the tubes. It's almost like every party needs a pooper. That's why we invited them. Attitudes affect you. Attitudes affect God. Attitudes affect those around you. And you're not just complaining to the person next to you. You're not just complaining to the person in the mirror. God is listening. Think of it. God heard every word of every complaint of the children of Israel. And in the text, let's notice it again. Now the people became like those who complain, and the Lord heard it. And this wasn't the first time they complained. We know that. They complained about what they left behind in Egypt. They complained not about not having enough water to drink. They complained, about, they complained about not having food to eat. They complained that their children and livestock were brought out of Egypt to die in the wilderness. They literally complained from the time they walked through the gates of Egypt. As they escaped bondage, they began to complain. Over and over and over and over, we read it. And guess what? God heard every word. Well, why did their complaining upset him so much? Because their kind of complaining and the complaining that we're addressing in this lesson this morning is the worst kind of complaining there is. Let's read Numbers 11.1 again. Now the people became like those who complain of adversity in the hearing of the Lord. The people became those like those who complain of adversity. Adversity. The worst kind of complaining is about the adversity, the hardships, the trials that the Lord has led us to. They forgot it was the Lord who led them out of Egypt into the desert. It was the Lord that led them through every trial, every test. And as God was working with his people and trying to develop them and prepare them to take the land that he had promised, all they could do was complain about it. Instead of learn from the ball that was being dropped and how we react to adversity in our life, they simply complain. 
The writer of Hebrews warned us, do not regard lightly the discipline or testing of the Lord for those whom the Lord loves, he tests, he disciplines. And God has entrusted to every person a measure of adversity, just the right amount to accomplish the eternal purpose that God has for our lives. Whether that adversity is a health situation, whether the adversity we're facing is finances and we're learning to trust God to provide, whether it's working our way through a family tragedy, whether there are relationships issues, whatever the case may be, God entrusted us with a measure of adversity. And God measured it out. Knowing that He will never put so much on us that we cannot bear. Now, we think we're dying. But if we're really trusting God and we're trusting the process of God developing our lives, then, yeah, sometimes it's going to seem really difficult to get through some of these situations. But I know a God who loves me that he's not going to put more on me than I can bear, and that when I grow weary, I can take his yoke upon me, I can hook up with him, and he will give me the rest that I need. Yeah, we all have a measure of adversity. But here's the problem. Here is the flesh side of the entire situation. Instead of rejoicing in all the good things that God has done in our life, we complain about the one thing that's just not working out. Whatever it is. And because we chose to dwell on the one thing, we are forfeiting the grace of God that is going to help us through the trial that we're complaining about. He has given us the grace to get through the trial, but because of our incessant complaining about the one thing, even though we've been blessed by many things, we're forfeiting God's grace. Well, how do you know, Pastor? Well, I read a story about Paul. Paul, who prayed three times that this thorn in his flesh would be removed from him. He just didn't. I mean, all the good things Paul was doing, all the anointing that he experienced, the life change that he saw, he was complaining about this thorn in the flesh. And God simply said, hey... My grace is sufficient. Understand that in that one little weakness, you're going to be made strong. And when Paul realized, hey, the adversity that I'm facing is helping me to grow, helping me to develop, putting me where God can use me, he began to embrace adversity. And you could read that throughout his text as he went and he experienced stonings and tarring and, 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 and scourging and, and jail time and, and isolation. It was, he counted it all joy. Why? Because there was an understanding of the principle that God brought him to the adversity. 
and to be thankful in the adversity. This is why God hates complaining. Notice God's response to those who complained. His his anger was kindled and the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. Now that phrase, the fire of the Lord, appears five times in Scripture. It describes the biblical outpouring of God's judgment. It's because He is a holy God and His holiness creates a cleansing fire. There will be judgment in your life because of complaining because God is a just God. Now we can embrace the short time we're in this wilderness facing this situation and then God delivers us into the promised land or God will judge and we'll spend possibly, if we can't correct it, a lifetime of spiritual dryness. So I said all this to come to the most important thing. And that is the solution to a complaining attitude. We replace a complaining attitude with a thankful attitude. See, thankfulness is the attitude that perfectly displaces my sinful tendency to complain. And when I have a thankful attitude, it releases joy and blessing into my life. Thankfulness. Luke 17. Luke 17. I'm going to go through this as quick as I can go through this. Luke 17. I'm going to read verses 11 through 19. Very familiar story. We've all heard it. And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of, the, midst of Samaria and Galilee, speaking of Jesus. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go, show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. And he fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Some translations say, thy faith hath made thee well. Amen. Amen. So when we saw, when they saw that they were healed, the scripture says nine kept going. Verse 15 begins, now one of them, one turned and walked back to Jesus to express gratitude, to say thank you to be thankful when he saw that he had been healed he turned back glorified god with a loud voice to give him thanks notice this contrast a thankless nine and a thankful one ten actions received 
ten attitudes chosen, but only one person was thankful. Attitude is everything. Christ notices those who are ungrateful. We read it about the complaining. If you're ungrateful, you're complaining. You may not be verbally saying, I complain. But being ungrateful is complaining. Being unthankful is complaining. Christ notices the attitude. There is no doubt that Jesus was aware and bothered by such an instance of ingratitude that he asked, Where, were there not ten that were cleansed? I mean, this is a rhetorical question. He was simply pointing out a thankless attitude. But the nine, where are they? Was no one found to return to give glory to God except this foreigner? Just this one. Who based on social circumstances and social injustice of the day that he had experienced. After all, he was Samaritan. The Jews didn't like the Samaritans. He was treated horribly. Not just because he was a leper, but also because he was a Samaritan. Just this one who based on the social injustice of the day he had experienced had many excuses for not coming to the Jewish Savior to say thanks. If anybody might have had an excuse not to thank him, it would have been the one that was treated so horribly. But if he could overcome all of that, to express sincere gratitude, how in the world could the others walk away? His thankfulness brought him a blessing that the others did not receive. They were all healed, but one was made whole or one was made well. In effect, Jesus' response to the thankful one was this. Because of your gratefulness, because of your thankfulness, you have been made well in a much deeper way than those who refuse to be thankful. There was a deep spiritual connection that was made and blessings that rested upon this one who was thankful that did not lie with the others. And only when we can acknowledge God as the gracious provider of general blessings do we begin to comprehend our need for God in a much deeper way and begin to express faith in him. This is a very significant point because faith grows in the soil of thankfulness. When we're grateful for what he has already done, we begin to prime ourselves for what he's going to do next. We go deeper in relationship when we're thankful. Now, thankfulness is more than just saying the right words. Genuine gratitude must be distinguished from the kind of thanks we're programmed to say as children. Everybody knows that if somebody gives you a mint, Brother Denny, that you say, thank you. If somebody holds the door open for you, you say, thank you. 
that that's that's just general things where the the kind of life-changing heart attitude that god desires is much deeper than surface verbal gratitudes it involves actions showing that we're thankful we worship with thanksgiving we offer prayers of thanksgiving. We serve and follow him with gratefulness and thanksgiving. We live thankfully. We follow him thankfully because of his grace and because of his mercy. Amen. Thankfulness. There's so much more I want to say about that, but I am out of time. So I'm going to give you three points of having victory over the attitude of complaining. The first one is thankfulness is a decision. Second one, thankfulness is, is, is a decision based in reality. It's not a Disney World thinking to choose to focus on only the good things in our life. Thank, true thankfulness is wisdom. It's been able to say, God, I know I'm going through a hard time, but thank you for what I'm going to learn from this. True gratitude. Thankfulness Third thing is a life-changing decision. Decision. Gratitude is the attitude that sets the altitude for living. If you want to soar with the wings of eagles, if you want to experience mounting up with wings like eagles and to soar above the difficulty, then thankfulness is the key. We can find ourselves brought out of our adversity and our thankfulness will cause us to soar above the wilderness and into your promised land attitude into what God has for you. Thankfulness must replace complaining everything's not going to be fine all the time but in all things i give thanks and i trust him and i show that i trust him because i'm thankful for the adversity amen love you all i went two and a half minutes over i apologize amen so in 12 and a half minutes we're going to come back and we're going to celebrate the goodness of Jesus Christ. Amen. During Sunday celebration. God bless you.
of worship that would arise right now. So we will praise you in advance like the victories in hand. No, when you are not a man, that you would lie. If you said victory will come, by our faith we believe it's done. We receive it. 